Welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. I am so grateful for all of the returning listeners. This is Lisa Calhoun, founder and co-host here at the podcast. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. We are also glad to have you. I want to introduce a really special episode, but first, I want to make sure that I reach out to all our regulars and say, if you have not shared your booking ideas with us for 2024, please do. If you go to atlantastartuppodcast.com and click on booking, forward slash booking is also the shortcut. We are interested in knowing what you want us to talk about, who you want us to interview, founders we need to have on the program, and investors too. And so to get back to the episode we have for you today, I recorded this December 7th with one of my favorite ever Atlanta founders, CEO Jennifer Silverberg at Smart Commerce. Since Valor invested in their very first round, she has scaled this company to over 20 countries, over 100 major enterprise clients, and scored her Series B. So the conversation I have with Jennifer is not about fundraising, and it's not about pitching. We talk about lessons learned as a founder through these times of rapid scale. And I think you're going to find her takeaways really personal and really interesting. I hope you enjoy. I met Jennifer probably 20 years ago, watching her do her thing as a brand market expert. And I was incredibly impressed. I was honored when I had the opportunity to invest in her seed round. It was 2017. It was a long time ago. Valor Fund won. Jennifer has grown into such a leader that I'm going to ask her to share with us a few of the many successes, we have a short time here, that she has notched on the belt as CEO of Smart Commerce, which was started right here in Atlanta. So Jennifer, would you mind grounding us in your reality? Who are who are some of your customers? Let's start there. Uh, for those who don't know me, um, I'm the CEO of Smart Commerce. Smart Commerce helps consumer packaged goods companies sell more stuff online by making all of their digital touch points shoppable. So, um, which is really interesting because we were the first to do that. And, and now it sounds like, well, yeah, duh, of course you need to be able to buy anything anywhere because 2020 happened. And, and we were doing this in 2017 when people were still saying, you know, are you sure that people are going to shop online? Seriously. Um, the CPG companies that we went out to, Mark Pritchard said, are you sure people are really going to be buying deodorant online and Shopping for groceries online was yes, unknown. And Jennifer told me, we're going to buy our things on Instacart. I don't know who's going to win really, but we're going to shop for groceries online. And everyone was like, hmm. And I thought, oh, I want that. <laughs> we got lucky. We had the market turn in our direction thanks to COVID. But so everything kind of accelerated a little bit. But um, So when I met yes. you, you had Procter & Gamble mm-hmm. on a pilot. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of co-founded almost with those. So we did a lot of a lot of really smart things that we didn't know we're smart at the time. We just kind of fell into them. We had, we had a contact at Procter and Gamble from a previous company. We had a contact at Mars Wrigley from a previous company. And so 
we went to them to kind of help us co-develop how we were going to do this and did pilots to build together. And those were all free. And, and of course, the investors that we talked to at that point said, yeah, 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 you can get somebody to do something free, but can you get them to pay for it? Which was definitely one of the first, you know, hurdles that we had to cross. But when they've co-developed it, it's theirs too. And, and I, I guess I underestimated how valuable that was. And then, so when we moved, of course, they're going to pay, you moved to where they had to pay for it. Of course, they were going to pay for it because it was theirs and they had helped bake it and they had helped put in some of the little bits and pieces. So. Again, it was, we were just calling on the people that we knew to try to help us make smart decisions, but it turned out to actually be a smart marketing move that, that we had not anticipated. So today, some of the customers yeah. oh, that love you, just people that, that, customers that the audience might know. Well, we're, we're still working heavily with Procter and continue to grow there, but Procter, Nestle, Unilever, basically Kraft, Nabisco, yeah, pretty much all of the big CPGs work with us in classic. If you kind of shop for it in a store, the chances are that it is in some stage of contracting with smart commerce. And so tell, tell us a little bit about what you do for these brands today. What does your platform do better than anyone else? So our platform, um, understand well first of all we're a data company we're a martech company to when i explain what we do but the truth of it is to make it work we have to be a data company so we take in data from every retailer every minute all day long and understand what's in stock and where it's in stock which when we started the company it was basically if we had amazon walmart and target or let me restate that amazon dot com, walmart.com and target.com, we could do 90% of what was being sold online. Well, now there's buy online and pick up in store or buy online and have it shipped to your house or buy online through a third party like Instacart. And so the the volume of data, walmart.com went from being a single unit to being 4,800 separate things that we had to track and, you know, millions of pieces of data across each one of those. So Luckily, I had well, my first hire, hire number one, um, was a, a data geek that I knew who had helped build something like this in the past. Um, we had, we'd actually worked together at a company that that wound up selling to Google back in 2013. And today, how much product have you carted? Is it, it on a high level? About, well, last year was three billion. So consumers used our links to put three billion dollars worth of products into carts. Um, the year before that, it was about two billion. Um, and so, how many people work at Smart Commerce today? Um, well, we have 70 direct employees and, um, 40 indirect employees. So basically 210 or 110, sorry. So you can see why I asked Jennifer to please join us for a conversation about what she would share with her younger CEO self. And and this is directly aimed at, at us founders in the room for sure. I am really looking forward to you hearing a little bit about the leader's journey because I think as we already know and, and accept, it's a tough one, but Jennifer is transparent and self-reflective enough to actually share some of her own open doors. And so I'd, I'd love to, you know, given the scale of what you are achieving, uh, Smart Commerce has just passed their Series B. So they've proved a lot and they have a lot more to prove in building a globally valuable company. What are some of the things that you feel like when you were a baby CEO, you know, five, six years ago, you didn't know that you know now and would share with other founders? 
Oh my God, it's like everything. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking about, you know, if I were answering this question to a set of high school people versus if I were college people versus you guys who are, you know, primarily it's investors left in this room. I don't see as many of the, of the founders, right? Um, it's just an entirely different set of information that I would convey. But, um, I think, I think starting out, one of the biggest things was I was afraid of the things I didn't know. I was so afraid of the things I didn't know. I was even afraid in the middle of the night that somebody would come get me because I hadn't filed a 4017457C and it, and, and, and I would, was going to go to jail. I mean, it was just this, see, he's saying I didn't file that. I still have this fear and we'll get something in the mail that says, you know, where is your PR247? And I'm like, I probably I'm still going to jail over something. But no, I, I spent a lot of time worrying about what I didn't know. And I had the advantage of, I had been a consultant for a lot of years. And one of the, I was thinking about it on the way here today, actually, that one of the best um, consultant opportunities I had ever had was Ameritech, which I'm guessing nobody here even knows what that is, but a long time ago, it was a really important company. Um, but they hired us to figure out what was the commonality among innovative leaders and really visionary or innovative leaders, which was how cool is that to go out and study Walt Disney and Steve Jobs and this kind of thing. And it was, we came back with this whole thing on vision, courage, know-how, and tenacity. And I have those on my wall at home because I, I thought that was so important. And I think I got myself tripped up on know-how. The thing that held me back a little bit at the beginning or the thing that made me second guess myself so much was I thought what I had to know was about form 4724C. And I, th I think the day I got comfortable was the day that I realized that I needed to know how to walk in the dark and trust the vision and the courage and the know-how from having done it in the past and, and, and have the tenacity to keep moving forward even when I was walking through the dark. And, um, and it's always dark. Somebody asked me, um, recently in one of our company meetings, they said, uh, you know, have you ever faced, we, we had, we had a situation in the last 12 months, I had to upgrade a bunch of people. I had to upgrade our CFO and upgrade our CRO and our Hear that leadership language, upgrade some people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way on one of them, but, um, but yeah. And, and so, so it was a lot of change. And so we have company meetings every Wednesday, we have an all company stand up and, and they're allowed to ask me anything. And one of them asked me, you know, have you ever been here before? Have you ever seen this much change before? Have you ever, and I was like, oh, hell no, I had no idea. I've never been through this before. Um, I've been through change before, so I know how to handle change. And I've been through the unknown before, so I know how to handle the unknown. I haven't been through this exact unknown. I haven't been through this set of change, but I guess what I've learned is if I have the right people around me and I have the right, if we have the vision and we have enough know-how and we, we're constantly doing the things that we need to be doing, like learning the market and, and, and doing, um, the learning that we need to be doing, that we're always getting through that. So, you know, the thing yeah. about startups is there's always the unknown is larger than the known. That's well, put. always, always. And so the reason Valor is named Valor is because of the courage where we find that. So I've worked with hundreds of founders over decades and, and where, where people break is courage. 
you, you generally can find another dollar somewhere, somehow, or change something so that you don't need it. And you can often find people who know more than you know about a topic. And maybe you can't afford to hire them, but you can buy them a cup of coffee. But when it comes to courage, you can't teach it. It's inherent in the person. And I think we can train it up a bit, but for for some reason, that that part of you, that courage, that's really ultimately you know, what gets you down the road so far. And so when you're thinking about other things you would share with your younger CEO self, keep going, go ahead, you can walk in the dark. Um, I wonder if you would share what you've learned about hiring well. And is there, is there, is there a secret to hiring well or, or is it also courage? I think most of what I've learned is how not to hire poorly. So I'm getting to the the hiring well, but um, hiring well, wow. Hiring when is the other thing, is I think because I thought I had to know everything or, you know, that I was afraid of the things I didn't know, that I maybe was a little slower on some of the important hires of saying, you know, there's there's a weakness I have um, in in knowing, I don't know, data I knew right away and technology. I hired the data guy and the techno- CTO right away because I knew I didn't know how to do those pieces. But but like a CFO, I, I know enough to be dangerous, but I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know about what that was going to bring to the company and how it was going to fundamentally change the way that we made decisions. Everyone's nodding like duh, but I didn't know that. And so so I think from a standpoint of is is the hiring when? And in that case, I had to turn to like I've called on Valor, she knows, but I should tell you. I've called on Valor. I've called, you know, there are the investors that you call when you're kind of in that, oh shit, I don't know what to do. And it's okay to not know. And then there are the other ones that you, you don't do that. And, and so kudos, you've done a great job of that. But, um, but I called the, the different investors who had seen companies go through this space and really got feedback on what I needed. So hiring well, it takes a village, I guess, would be the thing I would say, you know, get the right HR person who, who knows how to recognize crazy that that I learned. No, it's a thing. You have to get somebody seriously with that spidey sense that goes, yeah, I know they've said this. Because it's funny, when you said courage, my first thought is it's not all courage. Because courage looks can 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 hide the lack of vision or the lack of tenacity or the lack of know-how if there's enough courage. If there's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Or even if there's just hubris, you know, and and so it's it's making sure that that the village talks to these to the to the important hires. Actually, they're all important. They're all important because anybody anywhere, particularly in an organization, I think increasingly you're probably dealing with fully remote organizations. And those seventy people in the U.S. that are direct hires, all of them are remote. So so building a culture in a remote organization, you have to be even more careful with every hire because they can really pull you sideways. And I've had the the pleasure and also, you know, the the I understand the empathy of going through several cycles of growth as you've upgraded the team through the growth. And so I'd love to know what you've learned about and, and more popcorn, quick things, but what do you now look for in a head of sales that you might not have looked for in the beginning? What a great question. Um so at the beginning there was a set of three or four of us that held all the intellectual capital of the company and everybody else needed to follow. Like 
not in a bad way. They needed to follow. They needed to do exactly what we needed them to do. Um, because we knew where we were going. It was a little bit into murky area and we needed to hire people who could execute. So my head of sales initially was somebody who could perfectly execute the thing that we already saw. Then I got to, well, I, I need somebody who can bring their own way of executing the thing that we already saw. And in, in that case, we actually, um, we, we elevated one of our salespeople who fully had that capability and who stepped into that space. This last CRO was, we need somebody to help figure out, to join the group of where we're going, to become part of the intellectual capital of the company. So increasingly, our last hires have been the ones that say, they have an entirely different point of view. They have a playbook. Oh my God. Yeah, they have a playbook and it's different from ours. And they come in and they change it and they make it better and have a voice and have a, a seat at the table. So so, and really that's been through time, you know, how things have shifted as we got to that point where now we need more outside voices. And and frankly, we've called on investors more over the last several years because initially we just needed to put our heads down and do the thing we knew how to do. And now it's like, what's the thing we don't know how to do? What is the thing I'm not seeing? What is the, what is the way I'm not seeing? That's why I love coming here today because I heard from a lot of people who had a new way of putting something that survived to thrive in 25 I could have lived without. So, um, y'all, I don't, I, I don't want next year to be quite as hard as that sounded like it was going to be, but no, I'm, I'm teasing. But, but I think there's been so much good thinking going on today. I, I've been taking notes the entire time. It looks like I'm do- texting. I'm not. I'm taking notes of what's going on and Jennifer, sending it to my people. You are a wealth of wisdom and understanding. I want to keep us on time, but please follow up with Jennifer because she is all that and more and incredibly articulate and thoughtful about how she's building smart commerce. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of the community of Courage by listening to the visionary founders and investors on the Atlanta Startup Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of the over 200 investors and founders sharing their insider tips and secrets to growth. Our regular listeners tell us we're the briefing room for the innovation economy in the fastest growing region of the country, the South, and when you subscribe, you become part of the inside circle. The Atlanta Startup Podcast is proudly hosted by Valor VC. Valor is a venture capital firm that leads seed rounds in AI and B2B SaaS startups. If you like the podcast, check out more of Valor's programs for courageous founders and investors, like Startup Runway. Over $100 million in early stage venture capital is catalyzed through Startup Runway's grant-making program for pre-seed startups. Go to StartupRunway.org to learn more and apply directly for non-dilutive capital. Valor celebrates VC Day, the largest early-stage private capital conference in the region, at the end of the year. Top founders, leading VCs, endowments and family offices attend. Learn more at vc.day. At Valor, courage is the currency of innovation and the heartbeat of our culture. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.